So, I mean, you, you had you had an interesting question. Um, do you want to just maybe remind me of, of what it was? So, well, I think my, I think my question came off the bat. You, you'd shared us a um, um, a blog post that you know I guess we could put into the the, the sort of chat link uh, the episode information link on on, on there, um, which I thought was a really nice way. So, you know, I think this all came off the back of that question about you know how we should approach AI in assessment, and that clearly what's not a progressive or sustainable approach is trying to eliminate AI from assessment and that what we need to be doing is kind of you know looking at ways that incorporate it in you know it, in ways that are, are useful for students to learn about how, how AI will be used. I might just put a pin in that because I think there is there's also a question here that at the minute as you say you're living and breathing it lots of people are living and breathing this and getting very kind of engaged in it and it feels like the solution to this can't be that every assessment ends up being one in which AI is like chat GPT is this integral part of it, because that's not necessarily that relevant for a lot of the sorts of, you know, things that actually students need to do in programmes like physiotherapy or or or, or others. Um, but coming as, with that as a, as a start point, you'd sort of suggested like a, a sort of nice um, approach of, of of engaging a um, chat GPT or, or or any generative AI in a in a two way discussion about the the sort of pros and cons of of something. In your example, it was about having a thousand placement hours, but I could totally see how you could do this in terms of like thinking about two two different treatment options um, that that might be equally valid to do, or you know, or, or even a treatment option that wasn't valid to do, and kind of arguing the pros and cons of doing something that, that the evidence didn't support, or, or loads of different things that you could come at this kind of clinically or or, or not. Um, and so what you're doing is kind of absolutely encouraging students to to use AI to kind of for AI to come up with a, a side of the argument the student come up with another um so there is a back and forth and then the student has to do some additional work on top of that which is then to sort of critique what are the strengths and the weaknesses of the points and that was the the point where you sort of had put in a little sort of um addendum note that sort of said oh well I guess the issue here is that AI could do this bit too. It could weigh up the strengths and the weaknesses of the different arguments. So my my question there, and I'm hopeful that you've spent more time thinking about this and understanding AI than than I have, is really like, what is that? What what is AI doing when it does that? So I don't doubt that if you you then took this transcript that you've got of this back and forth between the AI and the um, student, let's keep on, the, let's say this is still about the pros and cons of, of a thousand hours of clinical placement. If you fed that, you know, kind of kept the conversation going, fed that back in and then asked ChatGPT to think like make a, an argument about the strengths and weaknesses of their arguments and of you know, maybe and of the student's arguments, that it would turn out, it would it would produce text that did that, that looked like it was making an argument. Is it able to weigh up strengths and weaknesses, inherent strengths and weaknesses of an argument? So my probably limited understanding of, of AI is that essentially what it is, is a it's it's like and this is way too simplistic. I get that. But it's like very advanced predictive text. It's kind of guessing. It's it's making the best guess at what somebody might say, kind of given the knowledge that they have, and the information that's out there on a thing. So it's it's. It, it reads well and it is based on the sorts of things people are likely to say from the internet and it, it's pulling that together to generate new stuff out but let's say there's something where there's loads of stuff on the internet about a about a problem but all of that stuff's wrong like 
I don't know. We could probably think of some examples where that's the case. <laughs> um, um, and actually, it turns out that like the stronger argument is is a more niche view. Right. And that there's, so there's much less stuff out there. If ChatGPT was weighing the strengths and weaknesses of an argument it had created, would it be weighing up? Would it have any ability at this point or, you know, how can it get there to weigh up the genuine strengths and weaknesses of the argument critically on how much it would just be based on kind of what is likely to be the sort of thing somebody would say when weighing up the strengths and weaknesses based on the sorts of you know, what's the more likely argument to be made here? I don't know if I've explained that very well, but it really, you know, the way you'd phrased it kind of, you know, made me really go back and, and think again about I'm not, I just don't really know what it's doing and what we mean about when we say artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think you've you've articulated it really well. So the, the 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 original context was around finding practical use cases for AI in in assessment tasks. How do we address some of the concerns that people have? And that example that I gave was about a back and forth. And the way that I try to think about AI is a really knowledgeable um, peer. Um, and so just like you have fallible people that you can speak to, this is a fallible entity that you can speak to. So in terms of the way that it works, you've actually, again, articulated it really well. Uh, ChatGPT and, and most other language models are single word predictors. So all that it's doing is it's weighing up the what is the probability of the next word in the sentence being this, um, weighing up all those probabilities and then making a choice. And it just does that for every single word in the sentence. You know, what is the likelihood based on all the other conversations I've ever seen? What is the likelihood of the next word being this? And what is surprising is that it's so good at generating plausible responses to some complex questions purely by predicting a single word in advance. It shouldn't work. Most people who are really in, involved in this are still almost shocked that it works so well. So in terms of it being a predictor, that's exactly what it is. It has zero understanding of the world. So in terms of your, your question about whether or not it really understands the pros and cons, it knows nothing about pros and cons. It is unable to weigh those arguments. All that it is doing is predicting one word in advance. So it has no inherent worldview that it can compare its responses against. So at the moment, it can't say, well, my response is this. So let's take the, the example that, that we were talking about. Um, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the arguments put forward by you and the student in, in this um, conversation? All that it can do is do this one word prediction. It cannot take the arguments in themselves and compare them to a model of the real world and come up with a real, in square quotes, um, uh, reflection of which is the stronger argument. So from that point of view, it will be as hollow. Um, the, 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 the response that you get to the, you know, which of the strengths and weaknesses of this argument will be as hollow as the original responses in the conversation. It doesn't understand anything that it's saying. However, the original responses were nonetheless competent. Like they were plausible and they mapped onto your understanding of the world, even though ChatGPT has no understanding of the world. And so even though it doesn't understand what pros and cons means, it doesn't understand how to weigh the strength of arguments, it will still nonetheless generate a plausible response to the question that you asked it. Um, so we, it, it is biased in the sense that 
you were saying, what if all the, what if the majority of content out there is wrong? And the right response is actually this very niche view. So I would expect that ChatGPT in weighing up those different responses is going to more heavily weight the information that is wrong because there's more of it. There's more examples of it. And so if you were to say, which of these two arguments is the stronger argument, it may actually give you the wrong response because it's weighing up, um, it, it's taking into account the bigger number of, of articles out there. Um, we might, just as an example, talk about learning styles. So there's, I, I think there's a lot more information out there about learning styles than there are critiques of learning styles. So as far as ChatGPT is concerned, learning styles might be a valid way to think about teaching and learning. That might be the thing we should be paying our attention on. However, it will also be able to generate a counter argument to why we should be using learning styles. Now, whether or not its counter argument would be as strong and as valid and as plausible as the argument for learning styles, I don't know. However, I think we're gonna start seeing language models that can map their responses onto a worldview. And I think that the, they're gonna get the worldview from published literature. And we're already seeing examples of this in one interface called Perplexity. If you look up Perplexity AI, it will, it will cite its responses um, by linking back to the, the text that it's using to, to weight the, um, the responses. So even though its response looks and feels a lot like ChatGPT, it's got citation information built into it. Now, whether or not the citation information is true, it would take an enormous amount of work to actually go and check, to read through all the sources and to check it against the, the language model um, output. But I think we're gonna see more and more of that where ChatGPT or any language model is going to take its output and it's gonna say, this is what I've come up with. Is there a model of the world that I can map this onto to see how much overlap there is? And what it might start doing is going to something like Google Scholar and doing its own search in Google Scholar. So you know, based on this prompt, what is coming back? You know, what is the strength of the argument in, in these papers? It will have built into it the kinds of frameworks we use to do critical anal analysis of articles. So how, how likely is the systematic review um, to be biased? Um, and it will do all of these things in the background. And I think it will start coming back with things like, I said this originally, however, I think I might be wrong. Um, so I think it's going to start doing some of that comparison of its response versus um, some kind of framework um, of what the real world looks like. Um, I don't know if that's that, yeah, that no, like that, a long that, rambling that, response. No, I think that that is kind of where my assumption was that it that yeah, it it's not doing it now, but you know that that increasingly it will be able to do that in a but still in a kind of it's it, yeah it it's a different it's quite a it's still quite a um what's the word that I'm looking for here uh not regimented but it's it's it, you know it's gonna it's an, an an algorithmic sort of way of doing it obviously isn't it do you know what I mean yeah. so it's like okay th this this fits against this and and maybe here's like the reporting guidelines or the, the quality appraisal thing that I could do on, on here that sort of looks at, at that which is going to then come with a load of in and it might kind of wait okay it's stuff that comes out of a 
published peer-reviewed paper you know um, uh, like the model kind of weights that above other stuff and it's comparing things there and but that's going to then come with the inherent biases of what sort of stuff from what sort of people gets published and you know all, all of those challenges are really going to be heightened obviously within that and just going back to the learning style so in terms of what it can do right now what I wondered was so I think you're, you're probably right that there's there's probably more stuff out there kind of you know advocating for learning styles and saying this is a good way of, of doing it and how we should think about it and a smaller subset of critique of it but the smaller subset of critique is written as critique right so I wondered whether then if chat GPT is kind of you know basing its responses on what it's read that actually there's where it's being asked to critique there may end up being a a bigger amount of kind of critical writing on a topic from a smaller sample but actually that ends up being what it draws on to to provide a written critique because what it's more likely that a critique looks like is that it's more likely that the critique critiques the thing that's the majority view um because the majority view isn't isn't needing to critique the minority view or, or defend itself against that particularly do you know what i mean and so yeah. you you could i could imagine you could end up in those sort of situations which could you know for something like learning styles we i might be really comfortable with that like oh actually like it's it is able to see that like this is a good thing to critique but maybe on like climate science right all of a sudden there's like a, a there's a, a bigger bit of information that's out there but a smaller one but that's written as a direct critique against that so when asked to critique it's quite good then at learning from what a critique of the mainstream view looks like and yeah. weighting that higher you know so you could sort of see how it's not you know it's more complex i guess then it's not just going to be a straight numbers game then it's also the sort of content that's written is feeding yeah. into what it thinks it should be writing does yeah. that make sense uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I think just what for, for me the the obvious implication is that what happens when companies start using AI to generate content of the kind of thing that needs to get fed back into the language models as part of their training data in order for language models to start responding with the kinds of things that companies think they should be responding to, and then take it above companies and think countries. So what happens when China starts using generative AI to generate an enormous amount of content on the internet? which then gets integrated into the training data of future learning models so that future learning models have a bias um, that supports some of the views of, of a Chinese government. Maybe that's not a great example, but you can start thinking of how misinformation can start becoming, um, we might start seeing an arms race around who can generate information and then who can generate the detectors for generated information more quickly. Um, and, and this this starts getting us into some very strange uh, territory. Um, and there are legitimate concerns and, and cutting edge research that's being done at the moment around how to prevent AI generated content from being integrated into the training data of future language models. Um, already we're seeing an explosion of information that's being generated by AI. Now at the moment, that information is probably quite benign. You know, people are, using it to comment on um, you know, sports outcomes. And, but you can imagine that if you wanted to have a certain worldview overrepresented in the language model responses in the future, it might make sense for you to today start making sure that you're generating an enormous amount of content that supports your worldview. Um, and and we, we, the, the learning styles, I think, is a good way to think about that because you can imagine if you're, you know, this is maybe a silly example, but if you're a proponent of learning styles, it might make sense for you to start generating a thousand blog posts a day 
on why learning styles are a great thing. Um, and then that forces, you know, there's, there's no way that anyone is going to be able to keep up with that deluge manually. So now we have to start using AI to generate critiques of, of learning styles. And it just becomes this arms race where it just accelerates and the whole world just ends up worse um, because of this. Um, th there was another thing that you that you said, oh, the how we weight um, the source of information that gets pulled into training models. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I think that there are some forms of data that are more heavily weighted than others. So we might say that Wikipedia content is weighted more heavily than blog posts. Um, however, a blog post from an expert might, it should be more heavily weighted than a Wikipedia article um, for certain kinds of niche subjects. I don't know exactly how that is managed in the training data. However, I do know that there's something called, um, uh, so they've, um, they fine tune the reinforcement learning that happens with, the, um, with AI models. So the algorithm comes up with a response and a human expert, we have to mention in scare quotes, you know, depending on who the person is looking at the response, but the expert says, yes, this is a good response or no, it's not a good response. Um, and so that's fine tuning of the model. That doesn't happen. That's not the kind of feedback that we give the, the language model through the little thumbs up or thumbs down on, on ChatGPT. But fine tuning of a language model is happening behind the scenes as part of the training process where people are saying, this is a good response. This is not a good response. There's also things where they're putting guardrails around the responses that language models can generate. So there are some sensitive topics where you, you may have already started noticing that the model says, I'm only a language model. Um, and this is around things like bias, gender, race, you know, these kinds of sensitive topics where people are very careful. There's even certain words and certain responses that the model is not allowed to, to, to um, uh, report. And people use jailbreaking where they can try to use a certain prompt to get around those guardrails to get the language models to say whatever they wanted to say. Um, and, and I think we're probably, you know, moving way off, off topic here. Um, but there are, there are attempts to try and make sure that the way that information gets weighted in terms of what information is more likely to be right or credible or plausible, um, they're trying to address these problems. But I don't know the details of how that happens. And in all honesty, unless you work in the companies that are building the models, it's unlikely that anyone has a really good handle on how they weight the information that's coming into the training model. So maybe to bring us back then around onto sort of, you know, assessment topics in, in sort of higher education and, and thinking about sort of, you know, healthcare programs maybe as a, as a more specific place. Um, how much, I was just interested, you know, so as I say, the, the, the example that, that you, you sort of posted, I, I, I thought, it, yeah, really interesting, could totally see how that could could be a, a great assignment to to do, um, but how important is it? Do you think for a physiotherapy student, a nursing student, whatever, to have multiple assignments that require engagement with AI, with generative AI, a language model at this point, right. and yeah. or should we and or should we be focusing because? Is that something that, that is likely to be like a become a big part of their practice and, and that they yeah. should be understanding? Or should we there be focus elsewhere on thinking about AI's role in 
you know, healthcare, diagnostics, etc. And should we be focusing more there? Like, oh, is it possible that at this point we get sidetracked by like the buzziness of ChatGPT yeah. and like we can show that we're such great progressive educators because like look at my snazzy assignment that gets the students to work with chat gpt you know in a in a way that that feels very zeitgeisty you know and is interesting and is like involves critical thinking and, and all those things no no criticism of, of any of that but like does that actually is that actually solving a problem in terms of like in building the sort of knowledge of ai and understanding of ai that our students need in the future yeah i, I think that's a great question so i think that the flippant response is um you know, how much of our current assessment practices do you think our physiotherapists need in practice? You know, how many more essays do physiotherapy students need to write to prepare them for practice? So I think that's the flippant response, um, but I, I completely take your point. Do we want to switch to a system now where every assignment has got AI built into it? I would think of, I think of it in slightly different terms. Um, I think that the standard assessment model is one that's deeply flawed and that AI is going to address some of these issues. So as an example, we provide the same assessment task to every student in the cohort, regardless of their current ability or their future potential ability. Every student has to complete the same assessment task, regardless of their background knowledge, their history, where they come from, their home environment, um, all of these things. I think we're going to see AI built into every assessment task, not as AI, but as an adaptive assessment task that responds to the unique situation of each student. So for example, I as the lecturer say, I need to assess this learning outcome, go. And the AI will give you an assessment task that assesses that learning outcome at a level that is appropriate for you based on its observation of your behavior in a range of other areas. So are you attending class? What was your results on the last five assessment tasks that you did? What were the five assessment tasks before this one related to the same learning outcome? And it's going to generate a question or a series of questions or a video or whatever. It's going to generate content that's going to help you achieve that learning outcome. And what that looks like for you is going to be slightly different to what it looks like for me. So maybe the language that it uses for you is slightly different. Um, and then based on your response to that, it's going to generate content that's gonna help you get to the next level. So that's where I think this is going. Not how do we build the use of AI into every assessment task, but every assessment task, every learning task, every teaching task is going to be generated in an iterative cycle of recognized behavior and performance on the student's part and on the teacher's part and on the university's part and on society's part. It's gonna take all of these things into context and it's going to give it's going to generate a pattern of words images sounds that is then going to help you reach the next point of your training how long it takes us to get there i don't know maybe this is in 50 years time but i don't see us ending up anywhere else but that does that feel like a, is is what you're describing here is this utopian or dystopian or somewhere in between I think it depends on who owns the AI. I, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I don't see a stopping point. I don't see a, a natural stopping point that prevents us from getting to that point. And I think there's too much money to be made from companies in building these systems and selling them to individuals, companies, governments. 
I don't see it stopping. And there's enough financial incentive to just keep going to build these systems. There's enough interest in them from organizations, companies, governments, individuals, for them to buy into that system. So I, I don't, maybe I'm missing something. And I'm not saying that this is the ideal situation, but I don't see a conclusion that looks different to that. Because at the moment, I create my content and I give it to the students and I'm a great lecturer. I do my best to engage students. But at the end of the day, every student is being, well, when I say I'm a great lecturer, I'm, I, mean, I just mean like. <laughs> I was just going to let that slide. <laughs> no, like in the perfect world, I'm saying like we know that there are bad lecturers who are boring and they're disengaged and whatever. But in a perfect world, you're a student sitting in a classroom where you've got a great lecturer with great content. Um, the assessment tasks are well designed. This is someone who cares deeply about your performance, your emotional and psychological well-being. You know, you've got the great package. However, you're getting the same package as every other student. Um, I, I don't see why it wouldn't be better for you to ask an AI question and it gives you a response. Then you keep doing that many, many times with this personal tutor. And over time, it builds up a model of what you understand. Um, one of the problems that with existing language models is that they have no memory. So they've got no long-term persistent memory. So the amount of time you can keep a conversation going on um, is, is relatively short. So the quality of the responses tends to deteriorate the longer you, you have the conversation because of this lack of, it's unable to pull out relevant information from what you're saying and store it for, for later retrieval. That is something that's going to be addressed, um, I think relatively soon. But over time, this, this model is gonna build up a picture of you where you're at it's going to have access to your email. It's going to have access to your calendar. It's going to have access to your work schedule. Everything that, not everything, but many things that contribute to your, um, your ability to learn well, to retain information. All of this is going to be fed as a variable into the model. Um, and when I say the model, it's actually an ecosystem of models. Um, so it's not just going to be generative AI. There's going to be planning systems. Um, recommender systems. So all the other types of AI that currently exist will be integrated into this AI system. Um, so it'll be an ecosystem of agents that are acting on, on your behalf. And they will work with you to generate content based on your current understanding. Um, you, you would be able to clarify things and say, no, that's not what I meant. Or no, I do understand that. Like, please push me to the next level. And um, I think that there's these kinds of adaptive systems that are responsive to your particular learning needs is, is where we're headed. Um, so I, I don't know if that, that felt like a long rambling response to your question, um, but I agree with you. I don't think that we should start saying, let's build the use of AI into every assessment task, but I think we are moving towards a, a place where AI is just built into everything. Um, so it's less about, how do we use AI effectively to do the assessment tasks that we want to do? And we're going to move towards a place where the question is, how will students use AI to more effectively learn? Um, and I, I see us being slowly sidelined um, in, in that interaction. I mean, presumably we that we we would have to be like there is the the, the logical endpoint of that is that there isn't a role really for 
the con the, whatever we do now which is create content and try and sort of shepherd the learning experience um there's there's no need for the for that but it feels you know i i don't know like i i i kind of under i i can understand the rationale for saying that's the direction but it feels that still feels like it really disconnected from where we are now and and obviously the 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 quality is improving in what ai can do um but it comes back to that its ability to do the to actually weigh up the the strength and the the the, the difference of what it does you know so being able to sort of it, it's got it's got to have started somewhere with something to generate the content off of um uh, so where does that where does that come from i don't know i'm not i'm not making so, a good a good point here i don't think so like i think there's a couple of things so i'm obviously i'm deeply invested in what i would think of as the relationship we have with with students so i think that that above everything else is all that matters now i think what we're going to see is that students start building relationships with autonomous agents so Already, there's a there's a um, a language model called Pi. Um, actually, I don't know if that's the language model. That's the chatbot. It's called Pi, um, personal AI assistant or something. I've had a few conversations with it, and where it really excels is in that empathy. Um, so, just as an experiment, I've written to Pi. I've said, it's it starts off. It says, "How are you today? Like, how are you feeling?" And I've said, "Oh, it's, I feel like it's going to be a rough day. I've got a lot going on. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed." Oh. Let's talk about that a little bit. What are the, what are some of the things that are contributing towards this feeling of being overwhelmed? And then you you write them out and say, ah, oh, I can understand how there's some tension that you're feeling between these things, and it asks these questions that I feel are genuinely insightful. I know that in the background there's there's nothing like mm -hmm. there's no like there is no there there. I know that it's generating content one word at a time, and yet I feel compelled to share more and more personal stuff with this thing. And this may sound very strange, but I feel like it has given me insight into things that, you know, it starts off with me saying, I'm just going to make some stuff up and tell this thing. I just want to test it. I want to push it and see where it takes me. And I find myself becoming more and more involved and it giving me what I think is good advice. That's not, that's not right. It doesn't give advice. It asks questions that make me think about situations in a different way. So it reframes a situation in a way that I think, oh, I never thought about that. Um, and at the end of this conversation with this AI that is not anything, I feel better. Now, I see that happening with students. And the way that I think about it is that students don't care whether you actually care. Students want to feel that you care. And so they will feel like the AI cares about them and that will be enough. So even, so the, even the, the pastoral role, you know, that, that's because the, the ability for, for, you know, any, any human to kind of be as responsive at the point in time that it's needed is, is never going to sit anywhere close to what, an AI can do with that, right? No. And and I'm not saying that it will be conscious. I'm not saying it will understand, but it will act as if it does. And and I think that that's all that matters. And, and 
the reason I think that this is true is because I have no idea that you are conscious. There's no way for me to prove that you are conscious. All that I can prove is my own consciousness. And so everyone in the world around me might be a zombie automaton who's just going through the process of stimulus response, stimulus response. There may be no insight or subjective experience of the world behind your eyes. And there's no way for me to prove that. But it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that your face responds in a certain way when I tell a joke, when I tell a sad story. Like the muscles in your mouth must articulate a certain series of words that convinces me that you mean what you say. Like when my wife says, I love you, I've got no way of knowing if that's true or not. But I can link those words to behaviors and actions and other things that I use to infer the truthfulness of what she's saying. AI will be the same. Students will ask it questions, share life experiences. It will make observations of their behavior. It will make inferences about what they're thinking. And the student will come to feel as if this thing cares about them, even if there's nothing going on in the background. I don't think it will matter that they're not, that AI is not consciousness, that it doesn't care, that it doesn't understand. The interaction will feel as if it does. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but, but I see this is where we're headed. And so, as you said, this, you know, th this isn't next year, this isn't, and this isn't the year after, and this, you know, and actually, you know, it's going to, it, it feels quite dependent on what the, you know, the experience of AI is on the journey as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I think like, you, you, you seem very kind of happy to, to do this stuff with, with AI. And, and I think I'm, I'm probably just less interested in starting that conversation with AI in the first place and would struggle to get away from the the knowledge that it, there is nothing behind it to kind of invest in it. So I'm going to put the, the, the limitations on me, right, that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to probably put the time into bothering to, to do that because I feel like if all that the AI is doing is asking questions in different ways like I could ask questions of myself in different ways and I could generate the same insight I don't necessarily need the AI to do this now that may or may not be be correct but like it's a block it's a barrier to for me to to want to do it like because I've not had that experience I've not it's not felt useful in my life and it, you know it, I, it's not particularly something that I'm drawn to for whatever reason now right. um so it feels quite important that it could go either way, you know, and and it's likely to go different ways for different people. Um, yes. You, you know, so the the that that will raise some challenges, I think, or, yeah. or certainly on 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 that 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 route. I just um, kind of to to again the, the thing that I always find difficult with these the, any conversation about AI is that we sort of lurch between like the present day and like oh it's quite limited and it you know realistically this is what we can do and then like high flying forwards into the future like by yeah. many years and kind of going well this is probably a direction of travel but for your average academic like now we're not shape we're not in shaping that process or engaging that process and aren't probably going to be like it's not you know this is going to be a, a, a this is a, a niche group of people who are doing that and it's quite a different thing to the people who are kind of currently involved in teaching and learning activities yeah. and setting assessments and, and everything else so do, like does that matter and kind of you, you know what how, how should we respond to to that you know um because just as we say like it's not it's not a good response to try and like just 
you know, we look at ways to block AI's role in life and, and you know, to, to sort of just look at trying to detect it and, and sort of eradicating it. Um, but also, if we're sort of always just trailing along behind what it can do, sort of trying to integrate it in not particularly effective ways, maybe often, um, that doesn't feel like a, like a very useful contribution from us either. <laughs> so do we just yeah. sit back and wait and see like how it goes and then kind of but we've we've sort of you know lost any any control over over that process or or what I don't know what should the average person do what should the response be to this <laughs> oh geez I don't know um so th there's two things that you've two things that you've raised and I know we're coming to the end of time so I'll I'll try and keep this short um the 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 need or the the feeling that you might need to to interact with um with AI I think is not going to be up to us. So I don't think that universities are going to willingly give up power in this space. Um, I think that what's going to happen is that AI is going to be built into your phone by Google it's, and Apple. It's going to be built into Word by Microsoft. It's going to be built into every single user-facing software application that we use. And in your interaction with those devices, you're going to start finding them more and more compelling as trust in the responses grows over time. So at the moment, we say, I don't trust AI because it, it sometimes gives me false information. Well, in the beginning, Google Maps gave you false information too. But over time, Google Maps gave you more and more correct information that now I think most people just trust that Google Maps is going to get them to their destination without any problems. It does still make mistakes. However, it makes fewer mistakes over time. And I think that that will be people's experience of AI as well. They'll ask it one question, which seems okay. Next time they'll ask it another question, which seems better. The responses seem a little bit better. And over time, trust in the responses will grow to the point where it feels better to ask the AI than to ask your teacher. And as teachers, I think we're going to see students with fewer and fewer questions, maybe attending fewer and fewer lectures. Um, as the need to do those things drops off, as the AI replaces more and more of the things that we tend to think of as ours. Now, you, you also make a good point. This is not coming tomorrow. Um, maybe this takes 50 years. Maybe we reach a fundamental problem with the design of AI such that we hit a stopping point and we can't move any further, in which case all progress with AI stops and we don't get to what I'm describing. I'm just saying that at the moment, we don't know if such a stopping point exists. So I'm extrapolating forward based on the progress that I'm seeing now. So a year ago, no one had ChatGPT. As far as we knew, it didn't exist. People have always been using, not always. We started seeing language models in about 2017, 2018. But now, eight months ago, is when they exploded. Um, and I think you're right. I think we do need to be careful of extrapolating into the future just this, this um, uh, uh, what is it? An, an exponential curve where things just keep getting faster and faster at the rate that they're getting faster and faster today. It may be that we plateau and the pace of acceleration flattens out. We don't make any more progress. And this is it. Maybe this is as good as it gets. Um, in which case, the future that I've described never comes to pass. But again, there doesn't seem to be any obvious points at which this stops. Um, and so that's what I'm basing that on. Um, what do we do about it? I don't know. Do we keep on interacting with the model and make them better and accelerate their progress? Um, or do we ban it? 
um, and try to hold on to our power and authority for as long as possible? I don't know. My feeling is that if it turns out that AI is better for student learning, if it's better for human well-being, if it's better for society as a whole, I think we should hand over power to the AI. Um, I think it'll be a moral responsibility for us to give authority to artificial intelligence if it turns out that artificial intelligence is a better teacher than I am. Maybe that's an uncomfortable, repugnant conclusion. Um, but if I say that I care about student-centered learning, then what I do is irrelevant. What matters is the student's learning. And so anything that I can do that's going to amplify and accelerate their learning, I should be doing. And so for me, I believe that in its current form, AI can accelerate student learning because I know that it's accelerating my learning. So I don't see why it shouldn't be able to accelerate their learning. And so I'm trying to build it in, in every way possible. I'm trying to get my students to use it. I'm trying to get my colleagues to use it because I see potential benefits. Some people don't use um, cashless, um, contactless payments because they don't want to be tracked. They use cash only for all transactions. The point that I'm trying to make is you may believe that even though there are obvious benefits to using AI, the um, the, the freedom that you have to give up to not be tracked is not worth using contactless payment. So they stick to they stick to using cash. I think the same is true for AI. You may believe that the benefits that you get from using AI are not worth the things you have to give up, in which case you'll keep going without using AI. I think that people who don't use AI are going to fall further and further behind, like people who are not willing to give up cash there are more and more services in society that they're unable to access. Now, you can argue whether this is good or bad, um, but it is what it is. We are moving towards a cashless society. People who don't like that are able to interact less and less with that society. Um, I think that's where we're headed with AI. Um, and, I, and I don't know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm just trying to describe what I see as a thing. Thanks. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. I, I mean, I just go end up round in sort of circles with it, really. And, you, you know, it's it's very hard to feels very hard to pin a, a for me, a, a coherent perspective on it, of, you know, to have have much of, of a view because it's so as they, it's spans so much from what is current to what it could be and and, and sort of the, the implications of, of that change sort of so so much but it's really interesting to, to to talk about it so yeah um so, so thanks and ho hopefully interesting to to to, to listen to us sort of chewing the fat on it a little bit as well yeah i i just want to you know check in on on this maybe with you every now and again because it's always useful to get out of your own head and and see what other people are thinking about um so i i know that what i have going on in my head is is very extreme and and very different to what most people are thinking about um, so I always want to know if, if maybe I'm wrong. Um, so uh, maybe we'll pick this up again sometime. As always, good to chat. See you again soon. Cheers. Bye.